are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God, over 2,500 pages. If you'd like to discuss today's reading, you can head over to Facebook and find the group, the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and there you'll be able to interact with other individuals who are reading and following along. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her holy example in life today and wish to be taught by her. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts in the missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 134, and we are reading from chapter 28 of volume 2, book 3. And we are reading paragraphs 359 to 366. Chapter 28. Lucifer, with all his seven legions, persists in tempting Most Holy Mary. She conquers the dragon and crushes his head. 359. Even if the Prince of Darkness and Wickedness had now retreated, his exorbitant pride would have been sufficiently discomforted and humiliated by the victories which had been gained by the Queen of Heaven. But as even if vanquished, he continues to rise up against God with insatiate malice, he did not acknowledge his defeat. Psalm 72.23 Finding himself conquered, and conquered so completely by an apparently insignificant and weak woman, Though he and his host had overcome so many valiant men and high-minded women, his fury raged onward, though in smothered flames of wrath. God had permitted the enemies to become aware of the pregnancy of the Most Holy Mary, though leaving them under the impression that it was entirely a natural process, for the divinity of the child and other mysteries connected with it always remained hidden to these enemies. Hence, they persuaded themselves that this was not the promised Messiah since they held this child to be a man like the rest of the human race. This error also confirmed them in the mistake that most holy Mary was not the mother of the word, Genesis 3.15, both of whom were to crush the head of the dragon. Yet they were persuaded that of a woman so valiant and victorious, some man of distinguished sanctity would be born. The great dragon, convinced of this, conceived against the fruit of the most holy Mary, that vast fury mentioned in the twelfth chapter of the Apocalypse and referred to in this history, and he awaited the birth of her son in order to devour him. 360. Whenever Lucifer directed his looks toward this child, enclosed in the womb of the Most Holy Mary, he felt a mysterious power oppressing him. Although his presence seemed to cause only a certain weakening and deadening of his strength, yet this was sufficient to enrage him and to make him seek by all means the destruction of the suspicious child and of his victorious mother. 
Assuming the most fearful shapes of fiercest bulls and terrible dragons or of other monsters, he sought to approach her without ever being able to succeed. He rushed upon her, but found himself repulsed without knowing by whom or how. He struggled like a wild beast in chains and gave forth awe-inspiring howls, which, if God had not prevented their being heard, would have terrified the world and would have frightened many men to death. He shot forth from his mouth fire and fumes of sulfur mixed with poisonous spittle. All this the heavenly Princess Mary saw and heard without being moved more than if she saw a gnat. He caused disturbances in the air upon the earth or in her house, disarranging and overthrowing it in all its parts. But Most Holy Mary still remained unmoved, retaining her inward and outward tranquility and peace and showing herself invincibly superior to all his attempts. 361. Lucifer, finding himself thus vanquished, opened his most impure mouth and set in motion his lying and defiled tongue. He loosened the floodgates of his malice and spouted forth in the presence of the heavenly empress all the heresies and infernal falsehoods of the sex which he and his associates spread through the world. For after they had been hurled from heaven, and after they were informed that the divine word was to assume human flesh in order to be the chief of a race, which he would replenish with graces and celestial teachings, the dragon resolved to concoct falsehoods and heresies in opposition to all the truths concerning the knowledge, love, and worship of the Most High. In this occupation, the demons consumed many years before the coming of Christ, the Lord of the world, and all this poisonous deceit, Lucifer. The ancient serpent had stored up within himself. Now he poured it out in the presence of the mother of truth and purity, hoping to infect her by all the falsehoods which he had conceived against the truth of God up to this day. 362. They are not fit to be described here, even less so than some of the temptations indicated in the last chapter. For it would be dangerous not only for the weak souls, but even the strongest must fear the pestilential breath of Lucifer, who on this occasion exhaled all his deceitful malice. According to what I saw, I believe doubtlessly that there was no error, idolatry, or heresy known to have existed in the world to this day, which this dragon did not vomit forth in the hearing of the Sovereign Mary. Therefore, the Church can truly congratulate Mary on account of her victories, affirming her that she by herself was smothered and extinguished all the heresies of the whole world, little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Thus, in truth, our victorious Sulamite, armed with her virtues, advanced like an army in battle array, Canticles 7.1, to confound, overwhelm, and destroy the infernal hosts, all their falsehoods, and each one in particular. She refuted, contradicting, detesting, and anathematizing all of them with invincible faith and sublime constancy. She proclaimed the various truths opposed to his falsehoods, magnifying the Lord by means of them as true, just, and holy. She broke out into songs of praise, in which his virtues and doctrines were extolled as true, holy, immaculate, and altogether praiseworthy. In fervent prayer, she besought the Lord to humiliate the arrogance of the demons by preventing them from spreading so freely their poisonous errors through the world and asking him to diminish the influence of the false teachings which they had already sowed and which they were yet allowed to sow among men. 363. 
On account of this victory of the great queen and on account of her prayers, I perceive that the Most High injustice set nearer bounds to the demons, so that they would not be able to scatter the seeds of error as much as they intended, as much as the sins of men would merit. Although their sins are the cause of so many heresies and sects unto this day, yet they would have caused many more if Most Holy Mary had not crushed the head of the dragon by such great victories, by her prayers and petitions. I have been informed of a great mystery which affords us consolation in this conflict of the Holy Church against her wicked enemies, namely on account of this triumph of Most Holy Mary and on account of another, which she gained over the demons after the ascension of our Lord. The Almighty, in reward of her battles, decreed that through her intercession and virtue all the heresies and sects of the world against the Holy Church were to be destroyed and extinguished. The time appointed for this blessing was not made known to me. Probably the fulfillment of this decree is dependent upon some tacit and unknown condition. Yet I am sure that if the Catholic princes and their subjects would seek to please this great queen of heaven and betake themselves to her intercession as being their special patroness and protectress, and if they would direct all their influence enriches all their power and sovereignty toward the exaltation of the faith and the honor of God and of purest Mary, for this may perhaps be the condition imposed. They would be, as it were, the instruments by which the infidels would be refuted and vanquished. The sects and errors infesting the world would be repressed, and splendid and magnificent victories would be gained for the Catholic faith. Before the birth of Christ our Redeemer, it seemed to Lucifer as was intimated in the foregoing chapter, that his coming was retarded by the sins of the world. In order to prevent his coming altogether, he sought to increase this hindrance by multiplying the aberrations and crimes of mortals. This iniquitous pride of the devil the Lord confounded by the magnificent triumphs of his most holy mother. After the birth and death of the Redeemer, the malicious dragon sought to hinder and divert the fruits of his blood and redemption. For this purpose, he began to sow and spread the errors which after the times of the apostles have afflicted and do now afflict the church. The victory over this infernal malice was likewise left by Christ in the hands of his most holy mother, for she alone could merit and did merit such a victory. Through her idolatry was extinguished by the preaching of the gospel. Through her were brought to naught the ancient sects of Arius, Nestorius, and Pelagius, and of others. She it was that instigated the zeal and solicitude of kings, princes, fathers, and doctors of the Holy Church. Hence, how can it be doubted? If the Catholic princes, both of the Church and of the State, would use the proper diligence, aiding as it were this heavenly lady, that she on her part would not fail to help them, conferring upon them happiness in this life and in the next, and cutting down all the heresies of the world. For this very purpose, the Lord had so enriched so greatly as well the Church of the Catholic regions and monarchies. If it were not for this purpose, it would better be that they remain poor. It was not proper that all the results of the gospel should be obtained through miracles, but through natural means obtainable by the proper application of riches. But it is not for me to judge whether they fulfill this obligation or not. I have only to report what the Lord himself has made known to me. 
that those who hold the titles of honor and sovereignty conferred by the church without coming to her aid and defense and without applying the riches toward preventing the waste of the blood of Christ our Savior are usurpers and unjust possessors of these titles. For in this very thing should the difference between Christian and infidel princes consist. 365. Coming back to my subject, I say that the Most High in his infinite foresight well knew the iniquity of the dragon, and that in the pursuit of his wrath against the church he would bring to disorder many of the faithful, striking down the stars of the heaven of the militant church, namely the faithful, and thus seeking to rouse still more the divine justice and diminish the fruits of the redemption. The highest Lord, in immense kindness, resolved to meet this danger that threatened the world, in order that he might be moved in this by so much the greater equity. For the greater glory of his name, he arranged that the Most Holy Mary should oblige him to give this help. She alone was worthy of the privileges, gifts, and prerogatives by which she was to overcome the world, and this most eminent lady alone was capable of such an enterprise as to draw toward her the heart of God by her holiness, purity, merits, and prayers. For the greater exaltation of the divine power, he wished it to be known through all the eternities that he had conquered Lucifer and all his followers through means of a mere creature and a woman, just as the devil had cast down the whole human race by another woman, and that there was none other to whom the salvation of the church and the whole world could worthily be credited. On account of these and other reasons apparent to us in faith, the Almighty gave into the hands of our victorious chieftainess, the sword for cutting off the head of the infernal dragon, a power never to be diminished in her, and with which she defends and assists the militant church, according to the labors and necessities of coming centuries. 366. While Lucifer, with his infernal legions and visible forms, persisted in his unhappy attempts, the Most Serene Mary never looked upon them nor paid any attention to them, although by the permission of God she heard the uproar. Since the hearing cannot be so easily stopped as the sight, she took precaution, lest what she heard should enter the imagination of interior faculties, nor did she deign to speak to them otherwise than to command them to stop their blasphemies. And this command was so powerful that it forced the demons to press their mouths to the earth, while she, in the meanwhile, sang great canticles of praise and glory in honor of the Most High. This intercourse of her majesty with God and her profession of the divine truths was likewise so oppressive and painful to them that they began to attack each other like ravenous wolves or like rabid dogs. Every action of the Empress Mary was for them a burning shaft, and every one of her words a flame of fire more dreadful than hell itself. This is not an exaggeration for the dragon and his followers, for they really strove to fly and escape from the presence of Most Holy Mary. While the Lord, in order to enhance the triumph of his mother and spouse, and confound entirely the pride of Lucifer, detained them by a secret force, his majesty permitted and ordained that the demons themselves should humiliate themselves, so far as to ask the heavenly lady to command them to go and to be driven from her presence, which they had sought. Accordingly, she commanded them to return to the infernal regions. There they lay prostrate for a time, while the great vanquisher Mary remained absorbed in divine praise and thanksgiving. This concludes our reading today for day number 134. Today we read from chapter 28, paragraphs 359 to 366. This is one of those readings that I think you just want to 
maybe conjure up the image in your head, in your mind, that you want to use your imagination. Because we heard how the devil was tempting and so forth and all these different actions of the dragon. He struggled like a wild beast in chains and gave forth awe-inspiring howls, which if God had not prevented their being heard, would have terrified the world and would have frightened many men to death. He shot forth from his mouth fire and fumes of sulfur mixed with poisonous spittle. All this the heavenly princess saw and heard without being moved more than if she saw a gnat. And so today we hear this. But now we want to see it in a sense. To imagine the dragon being bounded. The dragon unable to have victory. And that victory we claim in the name of Jesus the Lord. And by the powerful intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then the devil begins to spew false teaching, heresies. Trying to tell us wrongful things about God. So that we might be deceived. But Mary is the vanquisher of all heresies. And a lot of heresies are defeated. Because when we understand who Jesus is, well, Mary comes to our aid. And sometimes understanding Mary corrects the heresy of the Christological error. I am sure that if the Catholic princes and their subjects would seek to please this great Queen of Heaven and betake them to her, to her intercession, as being their special patroness and protectress, they would direct all their influences and riches, all their power and sovereignty toward the exaltation of the faith and the honor of God and of purest Mary. Again, I mentioned this, I know, in the very first volume, but let's pray for civic leaders that they might turn once again to God and ask God, how do you want me to govern? How do you want me to lead these people? How can I honor you? by what I say, by what I do. And then the temptation of the people within the church, the church militant. Coming back to my subject, I say that the Most High in his infinite foresight well knew the iniquity of the dragon, that in pursuit of his wrath against the church, he would bring to disorder many of the faithful, striking down the stars of the heaven of the militant church, namely the faithful, and thus seeking to rouse still more the divine justice and diminish the fruits of the redemption. Well, I think we've seen that throughout the history of the church, haven't we? We've seen evil at play and how individual members and how people even of the hierarchy have fallen because of the temptations of the evil one. And so let's pray that we might resist the devil that the devil will have no sway in the church, that as Jesus promised to St. Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so with St. Michael, let us bind into hell all the evil spirits. I'm Father Edward Looney. Throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.